everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I want to welcome everyone listening. I am so glad you're here today, and if you're one of our regular listeners, welcome back. If you are a new friend, we are so glad you found us. You're no longer alone with all your screen questions. You have found your people over here. And before we get started with our guest today, I just have a quick little announcement for every parent out there. And it is about understanding and watching and learning what your kids are doing online. I have just gotten a bunch more emails over the last week from parents that are saying things like, I just didn't know what Roblox was about. And I just didn't even know what Minecraft was about. And I didn't know what was on Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto, those are the four that I got this week. And I'm like, why didn't you know? And I'm thinking, well, it's because, hmm, I didn't know either. If you have been following us for a while, you know I am a nurse. I graduated from Emory University with an awesome degree, but I didn't learn anything about video game addiction or social media addiction and what happened with our oldest son. He just became very addicted right under our nose. He went to college and dropped out because we did just a terrible job trying to manage everything. And of course, I know now that it's very hard to manage. But one thing that I did not even think to do was to sit down, not even with him, but it could have been with him to actually like play the video game that he was playing. Like I am not a video game player, so I just never crossed my mind. And Oh, I wish I had at least tried to understand what was happening. And I do think this is what's happening over and over today. You know, I kind of joke about it sometime and I say that most of the moms out there know more about their laundry detergent contents, you know, and they read labels on all of the food they buy their kids, but then we don't really understand what they're doing on the screen. And you can't just read an article about it. You have to sit and you have to do it. You have to actually watch and, you know, if your kid isn't playing a certain game, then get on YouTube and, you know, cause you can find plenty of other kids playing that game on YouTube and just go see what it's about. I remember the first time that I watched, uh, Fortnite, I, I just couldn't even believe it. I, I just got so sick to my stomach just watching that game. It was so violent. And, you know, if you've been listening that cartoon violence is just as violent, it does the same thing to our kids' brains as uh, regular violence. But anyway, looking back, I would have paid a whole lot more attention in the way I would have paid attention is I would have been there looking at it, watching it, actually doing it, and not just for a minute, but to actually see what happens through the game, through all of these things that our kids are doing. So this is very serious. These are not silly video games like Pac-Man. You know, we have to get that idea of our head. So today we have one of our top listened to guests back on our show. Everyone loves Officer Gomez. Welcome, Dave. Please share your background with our new people today. Well, hello, and thanks for having me. Uh, my background is I have a bachelor degree in electronics engineering technology, of which I worked in the semiconductor industry for a while. Then I became a police officer in Meridian, Idaho about 100,000 people in the town. After three years on patrol, I was assigned as a school resource officer in a middle school. And in order to learn about the middle school kids and see what they saw and know what was important to them, I made some fake social media accounts. Through these fake social media accounts, I was able to learn their ways. I was able to arrest local predators that kept on coming thinking they were meeting a real kid to have sex with. And I was able to start an education program for parents and kids to help them understand the dangers to the family and the negative effects that social media and devices have on families and school and education. Yeah, it just it just filters all the way down. It touches so many lives. And I just want to say my hat is off, of course, to you being a detective. I know a little bit about detective work just being a mom, right? Because we're all detectives. But you actually figured out how to make that fake accounts and kind of get in there and just see what was happening in the 
the back room, so to speak. So we are just so thrilled to have you. David does have a Facebook group that we will post in our show notes. And I just wanted to bring him on again. I think one of our most downloaded podcasts. Thank you so much, uh, Officer Gomez, for coming back. And let's just jump in. I want to start today by asking you about a post that um, got a lot of attention in your group, a lot of shares. You know, I know that you, you know, like I do, when we put things in our Facebook group and then something hits a nerve and this one really did. I'm just going to read a little few pieces of it. This was from a mom. So my daughter was the victim of an online predator, was and is still, of course, the victim of online predator. She officially con- is considered an exploited child. She had a Roblox account and some editing apps and some other silly games. And the predator got to her an editing app an editing app that she used to make, you know, the edits for Roblox. I'm going to have you explain that in a second. And then she said, my little girl just turned 12 in November. It's been the hardest thing we've ever gone through. And I wish, I don't wish this on anyone. My point of sharing this is your child doesn't deserve privacy. Your child doesn't deserve trust because it is not about trust or privacy. It's about keeping your kids safe. They can't fully comprehend what could really happen to them. Their immature brains See, this is so important. They just can't believe that this will, you know, never, they just think it'll never happen to me. And then she says, we educate on internet safety, predators, pedophiles, sending and receiving pics, videos, everything. And in the end, it didn't matter because these predators are professionals at what they do and they know what to say and how to say it and how to make your child feel safe with them and how to build trust with them and ultimately how to hurt them. So I want you to comment to start with this. We have a few questions for today, but this one is just heavy on my heart because I had another mom come contact me and then I saw that you did too. And I think Roblox is one of those games that if I were to get a show of hands from everybody listening here, people would probably raise their hands and say, yeah, I think it's a great game. And I've actually never really been on it. (laughs) Right. So talk to us about how did this happen? Well, first of all, what uh, that mom shared, which was awesome, was that she was very careful uh, about what kind of things her daughter did. Uh, they had monitoring programs installed. They checked on a regular basis what was happening. Um, and then, you know, at one point they saw something wrong with it and did some further investigation, which point she discovered that there was a predator talking to the daughter. Now, Roblox in particular, I have played it with my grandkids and Roblox has like 300 mini games inside of it. And some of them are very educational. They, they help you learn how to budget, how to build things, how to make connections with other people. It's meant as a very educational, fun game for kids to play. Now, what that sets up is a nice little package of victims, right? So any predator is alerted to a specific age range, usually about six to 12 year olds like to play Roblox. Now they know exactly where they're going to be. So what they do is they set up accounts of kids that are about the same age or just a little bit older as those accounts. And sometimes they'll take a couple weeks to a couple months to start friending the kids and become their friends on these games so that they can prey on them and, and make them victims, essentially. And by victims, some of them are victims of giving money, right? They can talk a kid into stealing a parent credit card for some kind of widget. Some of them are victims of sending naked photos, and usually they have to port them to a separate application such as Snapchat, WhatsApp, TextNow, in order to get those pictures because you can't send those on Roblox themselves. And sometimes it's even more nefarious where we recently had in in Idaho, somebody got a kid to actually come outside and meet them and they were kidnapped. Oh my goodness. So craziness happening on there. Um, you know, and I know a lot of parents have a question about the editing app that this mom was talking about. And so essentially in Roblox, there's some things you can build. There's some things you can draw. And so I think the, the editing app in particular, you take your character and you can edit it a little bit and put little pictures up in the Roblox application. So through that editing app, there was a forum on there. Um, similar to a couple of weeks ago, I shared that the Fitbit program had a forum. Anything that has a forum that connects to strangers is very likely to have predators that are just waiting for some unsuspecting kid to come on there and they start befriending them. They start showing interest and they start grooming them to be a victim. Wow. How, you know, just again, for the sake of moms like 
like me years ago. Of course, I'm a little more educated now, but I would never have known anything about the online forum. So if your child has red light, like, and you're the mom, how do you, what do you, how do you see this? Can they, is it up on the screen? Is there, like, can you go in and read what your kid is, is writing in there? Inside the Roblox application, there's a chat system on there and the chat you can turn off um, and you should turn off unless you know that you know exactly who they're talking to. I like parents to turn the chat off, but even that inside there's 300 mini games. Uh, and so unless you're going to check all 300 of them, there's no way for you to know what they're doing inside the game. And some of them, some of the games inside of them, you can write things on walls. And so predators will write some very unsavory things on some of the walls. Some of the predators will have their character names be pornographic names. That way we start desensitizing the kids at a very young age to pornography. And that way when they're later, later on in life, when they start getting Snapchat, TikTok, those things, they've already been desensitized to a lot of these sexual situations. Sure, but there's just no way um, between carpooling and taking care of other kids and cooking dinner that I'm going to be able to go check on 300 message boards, right? (laughs) I mean, because there's just no way. I can do that. There's, there's no way. So that, you know, some some kind of baseline rules, like when our grandkids play, we like to be in the same room with them as they're playing it. That way we can see if anything's happening strange. Plus, I, you know, set up a screen time lauded amount where kids can play in a central room area. So no electronics in bedrooms is, is a, it's a definite, you know, sure. recommendation. But then just, you know, hey, a common area of the house where everybody can see what everybody's doing on their games that way if there's anything strange happening we can we can head it off before it gets too crazy before it gets too bad and and i would just recommend that um and when your kids have their laptops at home and if they're doing their homework and the computer is turned to where you can't see it um highly recommend that you are you're turning it around so when you're it's hard because we're working and we're cleaning and we're, we're doing the dishes or we're making dinner and we've got our kids so sometimes we are in the same room and we just can't um, see what they're doing. So always make a point to just see the back of your kid's head and the front of their screen. And so my kids sit at the table, not where they're looking at me, but they, they sit kind of in front so I can see their screens and it just gives really good accountability to everyone. And I do remember, I shared this a long time ago on a podcast that one of my friends said that, um, her son would sit at a certain place at the table when he would come home from school where he was looking at her and he was sort of hiding his screen. So, you know, he was in, you know, early high school. He thought he was pretty tough and um, hiding that screen, but, but he was sitting kind of in front of the window. So she just could see the reflection of absolutely everything going on on his screen. So she was the detective and she said most of the time it was really kind of sad when she would look up and he was on a video game when he was supposed to be doing his math and she would, ask him. And he would say, oh no, he was doing his math. And she knew that he was on the video game. And so, um, she never wanted to give away her, you know, the ways that she knew, (laughs) but, but I guess what this mom also says in here is that the thing that happened with her daughter, you know, they cannot fully comprehend what can happen to them, what can happen to them. They are not mature enough and their brain isn't there. So you can have, I'm sure you've seen this over and over that you can, you can have conversations and you can tell them don't do this and don't talk to these people and don't look at this stuff, but they're just gonna, it's just there. We can't really blame our kids. Can we? It's tough, you know, and, and ultimately you're, you have to teach your kids how to be accountable for their actions, but they can't understand the actions and the consequences at that young an age. And what's even worse is that a lot of times when these kids are victims, such as, uh, you know, and in this particular post, we don't know exactly what we are a victim of, but I've seen it hundreds of times where a 11, 12, 13, 14 year old girl is talked into sending nude pictures to a predator who she's not even sure who it is. But even after we explain it to her, we catch her, we go and arrest somebody, that girl is still in love with the predator because he said such nice things to her. And it was some fantasy that they have in their brains. They can't comprehend what's going on and that this predator has probably a family of their own or whatever's going on. In the girl's mind, they had a relationship. She sent those pictures willingly. Therefore, she doesn't feel like a victim. And then you, you're, the parents become the bad guys. The police become the bad guys because this predator has spent you know, hours, weeks, or months grooming this child's you know, undeveloped brain 
to think that the predator is their savior and end all boyfriend for life. Well, sure. That makes perfect sense. And they know. Another thing you said just a, a few minutes ago when we first got started is they they know where to, the target rich environment is too, right? The predator, they're not going to go wait out in the park anymore outside. <laughs> they're going to go find young kids on Roblox is a perfect place to find young kids. And it is like a sick game to them, right? Just to kind of see what they can do, see how far it all goes. Yeah, Roblox and Minecraft and those things where kids are there, they know kids are going to be there. And then they can go on and they can try their different tricks and ruses over and over and over again. And they can hone these skills in to know what kids like, what they talk about. And then these these predators actually have groups um, either it's on Reddit or Discord where they talk to each other about what works and what doesn't to get victims, right? boys and girls. So they have their techniques, they publish them, they share these notes. And then when they get naked pictures or they get a kid to do something, they share these with a whole bunch of other predators. So it's a whole community of people that are after your kids and parents just can't even fathom this happening. Yeah. And they're just, they're just becoming expert predators. And, uh, and, you know, I think that the more they share and groups, uh, of course, they're going to learn what the cool things are to talk about in middle school these days or for young kids. And they sound all hip and cool. And your, your kids just note to everyone out there, you've got great kids, you're a great parent, but you will never, ever be able to accelerate the development of a middle school brain or a 10 year old brain, no matter how many conversations, of course, they're all necessary. No matter how many parental controls they're going to get around them. You, you can't, it's a physiological thing. A lot of what we're talking about, the ability to use your frontal cortex and to be wise and to put the brakes on all those things are just, um, that just happens over time. It can't have, you can't like speed train your child to, learn how to avoid all this stuff. And let's talk about um, parental controls just a second, because a lot of parents think that they are spending money, they're getting a subscription, they've done a lot of research, they do spend a lot of time trying to get this all locked down a certain way to keep, you know, the predators out, which I don't think you can do, um, but to keep all, you know, the parental controls all up to date. And I've often said if we would spend as much time with our kids as, you know, in person hanging out with them as we do worried about their parental controls and working on it, we would just have a you know, much healthier kids because the parental controls, there's always loopholes in there. Can you, you know, talk about that just for a minute? It's such a, a huge topic for parents. And what are just a couple ways that the kids are working around it? And again, they're not bad kids, right? This is a puzzle. They're just trying to get around it. So what are a couple things that they do to get around? Yeah, there's a puzzle. It's a puzzle and it's an addiction. So when they're addicted, they're going to do anything they need to get their addiction, their 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 hit again. Yeah. And so a couple of ways that kids get around parent controls. And I always like to say the time zone change is one of the easier ones, even though it's it's harder to do on most phones these days. But a lot of times when a parent says, hey, you know, the phone shuts off at 9 p.m. with their monitoring, the kid can just change the time zone all night long and, and keep it on and going. These days they get a little trickier. So now um, when kids hand their phone to a parent to enter a password to download something, the kids can turn on their screen record or the kids have a second camera videotaping mom or dad putting in the basically passcode. Right. If you have a face passcode on a parent phone, let's say you have an Apple phone and you have your kids monitoring stuff on your phone. Um, some kids will just pick up the phone and, and show it to mom or dad. Hey, mom or dad, you left your phone on the floor. You know that. And what they actually did is just unlocked it with the parent's face. Now, now they can go and change their password to whatever they want and they can change their own controls. Oh. Um, the GPS, they can, they can basically hijack the GPS coordinates. And this came from Pokemon Go days. So when it shows they're at school, they, could, they can show they're at school no matter where they go. They can alter the GPS coordinates that it shows mom and dad anytime super easy. Yeah. Um, this goes for Chromebooks at school as well. The kids are very good at getting around the Chromebook rules at school. We battle this all the time, and, and we're never going to get ahead of the kids. The kids take a couple steps, then we have to catch up. Then the kids yeah. take a couple steps, we have to catch up. We are always playing catch up. There's no way to fully lock any of them down from school or from home. So 
a supplemental monitoring system is required, which is parents. Parents, you are the ultimate monitoring system for phones. You are the ultimate monitoring system for the Chromebooks at school. You have to, you have to kind of keep track of this. And some parents say, well, if the monitoring programs don't work anyways, why would I even put them on? Well, I have parents put them on because it shows kids that that's important to a parent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you need to show your kids what's important to you, even if they don't always listen, even if they kind of misstep, you need to tell them that's important to you. So they have it in the back of their mind and they might not get it today or tomorrow, but someday they're going to know that that was important to you. And hopefully it'll catch on at some point and they will understand this. Yeah. And you do have to support your values by doing that to let them know exactly what you said, that it is important. I want to hear just a minute about Chromebooks, though, because we we get slews of questions about the Chromebooks. And I don't know how to tell parents to you monitor and lock that down. Do you, do you have anything off the top of your head that you share that can help with a Chromebook in particular? So most Chromebooks, especially the ones that are given by the schools, have a school monitoring program. Um, we use GoGuardian on ours, which is very popular around the country. Uh-huh. The schools are already monitoring the, the computers, but you know some simple things kids can do. They can start a computer in safe mode, which bypasses all our everything. So we teach the teachers at our school when they're teaching a lesson on the Chromebooks to count the number of Chromebooks and count the number of uh, computers logged into their system. Because if they're off, then that means some of the kids have already bypassed their Chromebook security. They also have little thumb drives that they pass around that can bypass the the security. And there's websites on their internet that they can go to that are basically VPNs or secret gateways to Roblox, to Fortnite, to everything. So kids can play games at home. They can play games that are in class. They can send each other's messages. They can open Snapchat. They can do all these things no matter how much monitoring we put on them. And parents, unfortunately, sometimes they, they get a false sense of security because, oh, well, this was given by the school and the school wouldn't give one unless they could monitor it and keep it locked down. And that can be further from the truth. We do monitor it. We do keep it locked down. But there's no way we can keep the kids from right. doing their little tricky things and figuring ways around it. And some of the things they do are just genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's their job, right? So there's their job to be genius. I know one of the uh, the tech department that I talked to at one school said that every morning he comes in and he's he can see the VPN addresses where they've been. And then he'll go lock those down. And then that day there's like, you know, 20 more new ones. And um, it is impossible because the VPN is a very typical way they get out. The VPN is sort of gets you out of Google onto like a whole nother Google and a whole nother place. So it, it doesn't show up. It's just fascinating how this works. I want you to just, uh, something just else triggered in my brain. I want you to talk about the secret apps too real quick because you're so good at explaining this. So the different apps on their phone, you know, like the calculator or whatever, are there any new ones that we need to know about? There's no new secret ones, but there are some new features on some of the applications that parents need to know about. Um, Number one, Snapchat. In the last couple months, Snapchat has allowed spam bots. So spam bots will send a friend request to random email addresses and they just go through the list. They're very indiscriminate. Next, 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 next. They send you an essentially a pornographic video advertising pornographic websites. Mm. And so without even accepting the friend request, you look at, you have a message. As soon as you click on the message, starts a pornography film very very i mean Mm -hmm. graphic pornography film and okay i don't want that you don't accept the friend request the person's name disappears the video disappears everything's gone so a parental check would never find this neither would the filters would never stop this from happening either right snapchat can now be put on a um, any, any internet now can get Snapchat. So if you take your kid's phone, they can get on with their secondary devices. They can get on with their Chromebooks at school. They can get on anywhere where they have access to internet. Uh, one kid was getting on their, their refrigerator had a yeah. screen and access to the internet. They could get on Snapchat from there. So it makes it super tough for them to lock down. Instagram also has disappearing messages. So on Instagram, if you're going to send somebody a message, if you go to send, and I think it's a swipe up. I just did it last week. You swipe up, and the next message you send is going to send to that person. As soon as they read it, it disappears completely. 
Hmm. Thank you, Instagram. Oh gosh, that changes everything over there, right? Because at least you could you could at least see what your kids were doing. Yes, and it makes it tough. And um, you know, TikTok has some issues. But as far as the new things that are coming out, man, there was one other new one I, I was I was thinking about that came out a new feature on one of them. Um, but these things come out all the time, and and some of them are very anti-parent. I mean, some of those things come out specifically anti-parent. Yeah. Um, which yeah. makes it tough. Because their their goal, they're just trying to get eyeballs and they're just trying to get swipes and attention, you know, the the app companies. And I know a lot of people kind of vilify all that. I have a little bit of a different stand. I just feel like we don't need to vilify that. We just don't need to give our kids this stuff. You know, it's just like smoking big tobaccos out there, but I don't have to smoke. So I I always try to teach my kids to not be the victims to all this. And in order to do that, you just, you can't play in that playground. You just got to go somewhere else. I do want to reiterate to parents that the smaller the screen, typically the bigger the problems. I'm sure you see this too. So you'll, you'll see certainly problems on, you know, your smart TV at home perhaps, or, you know, the laptop, but as it gets smaller, you know, there's going to be more problems on a laptop, you know, uh, than, than a big TV. And then there's going to be more problems on the phone because the smaller the screen, the more secret everything can be. And uh, we've just figured out after four children and sort of derailing the first one, we decided that we just weren't going to do smartphones for the younger ones. In fact, I've, I'm just never going to buy a smartphone for a kid. If, if I don't care if they're 25 years old, they can go buy their own. I just kind of got myself off that hook and I feel a lot better. Um, but they don't need it. You know, there's all kind of other phones they can get. They don't need all these temptations. And I think just from listening here, even just to you for a few minutes, we just realized that we can't, we can't make it good for them. And a lot of parents, I think, get a little confused and they think, well, we just have to teach them how to use all this stuff. And I really disagree with that. I, I don't think we do need to teach them how to use that. I think we certainly talk about it a lot. And in, in our house, our kids know all this stuff. I mean, you know, they know, but they don't have to do it in order for me to talk to them about it. They don't have to worry about having Snapchat and getting a porn reel. They, they, you know, but we can talk about how this stuff happens. And then when they're older, like you and I were when we got our devices, we were just a little naturally wiser because we were adults. It just it just made sense. So I want parents to take a deep breath and realize that, A, you can teach your kids about all this stuff without them having to actually experience it. And B, it's okay to pause and just say, we're not doing this right now. We can talk about it, but we're not actually going to have to put you through this and do this because they are going to be mature one day and they're going to be fine. And we don't have to um, turn around and start teaching them at the age of 25 about why it's not good to look at porn. I think we've already had those discussions. So I just always like to put that plug in there. Um, don't be discouraged. I think the message here is it is quite an impossible task, but we're not going to be sad and lonely and scared about it. We're just going to be a good coach and, you know, be the parent and go hang out with our kids and and they'll have plenty of time to, to be on their screen. And it's going to take them about three minutes to learn how to use a smartphone when they get it. So we're not worried about that either. Talk about be real. That's sort of the latest thing since the last time you and I talked. Okay. So be real and gas, um, are the two applications that come out since the last time you and I talked. Mm-hmm. And basically parents are yearning for a safe application they can give their kids to get online with that they don't have to worry about. And Be Real and Gas both came out as kind of positive, able to you know be safe for kids to be on the internet. So every kid tries to talk their parents into it. And every parent wants there to be this magical application that is safe for kids to be. Right. And I always kind of jokingly put on my Facebook page, hey, here's my new and improved list of safe online applications for kids to use. And there's no list. Right. It's just zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> and so Be Real is a picture sharing application. Um, it, you sign up for it and it wants to have your contact list. But it also wants you to get a bunch of strange friends. And every day it kind of prompts you to. Post a random picture. It wants you to take a picture on your phone, which it's going to post one picture a day. At a random time, hey, take this picture. You take a picture and everybody can see it. 
Now, at first, I didn't think you could chat with other people, so it was it was medium safe. One of my biggest things I tell parents when they ask me about any application is, can they chat with strangers? That's mm-hmm. it. No matter you know, the, you know, funky chicken application comes out. That's how you you determine its safety. Can you chat with strangers? And the be real very quickly, we learned that by responding to any of the photos, you can start a chat below it. And mm-hmm. so then parents were defending the app and saying, well, yes, but it's a public chat, so everybody can see. That is true. But then what the kid does is they get a second Be Real application just to chat with whatever stranger they yeah. met on the Be Real. So then when parents look, they look at the one that they can see public, but they don't see the secondary one where that they started just to be able to talk with this stranger that they met on the application. So tricky. This is back in the day when I first started, everything was screen strong. It was very common for teenagers to have teenagers to have five and six you know, email accounts. And I guess this is the same kind of idea that they show their mom one and then they have all these other ones. And so for Be Real, they could just start a whole nother account with a different name, right? And mom wouldn't know to look at that one. That's kind of what you're Correct. saying. Correct. And then the, they just talk with the picture underneath. And then I think the picture disappears the next day. When you take the next picture, it disappears with all the chats. So it's gone. Now we start a new conversation. Instagram mm-hmm. is the same. Most kids have five accounts on Instagram because you could just drop down. If you open Instagram uh, on Samsung, definitely on the top left where the username is, there's a little drop down arrow. You drop down on that arrow and there's usually five accounts. They have one for grandma and, and parents and they have the others for their friend groups or their, you know, their picture groups or their smoking dope groups, those kind of things. Um, and not to say every kid is going to do this, but some kids are. And that's something for parents to be aware of and check. But it's so hard. I mean, I'm not whining. Okay. I'm trying not to whine, but I'm like so busy. I don't think I could do it. Well, I know I, I, I know I couldn't do it. So I, I think that the average parent could probably check every now and then, and then, and then they stop checking. Right. I mean, do you see that? I mean, I don't know after so much checking, then how much more checking can you do? It doesn't it just get exhausting? I mean, aren't we just sort of relying on parents to do something that's kind of impossible? What What do you think? I mean, do you think parents can do this? They absolutely cannot. So yes, they can check for a little bit. Yes, they can put monitoring systems on, but you're not going to check everything, right? So mm-hmm. you have to have conversations with the kids. You do have to teach them about you know social media safety. You do have to teach them about stranger danger. But even like you said, if you don't give your kid a phone, they're going to look at some of the stuff on other people's phones. So mm-hmm. again, still advise don't give the phone because then parents at least know what is important to you. And I do have parents at the school that have very successfully gone without phones all the way till the kid graduates and turns 18. I have some that have given smartphones and done a very good job of monitoring it and keeping it safe. Most of that is by limiting screen time to something normal, like maybe two hours of screen time a day, whereas a lot of kids spend up to, you know, 17, 18 hours of screen time a day it means they're not sleeping. They're not doing schoolwork. They're basically on their phone all the time. Yeah. And and nobody needs a phone 24 seven. And this is the other big epiphany when parents understand this. And I love what you, you just said a minute ago. I just want to re- repeat the scenario when people say, well, if you don't give your kid a phone, they're going to see all this stuff on somebody else's phone. So you might as well just give them a phone. Well, no. Um, yes and no. Yeah, sure. They're going to see things. They're going to see things when they go to Costco and look at the computers there. They're going to see things at the dentist office because they have laptops for the kids to play on there. I'm not worried about that as a parent. And I know, of course, from the science and just all the brain science around porn, for example, that every time you see an image when you're that young, especially, it just burns like a little little flash drive disk in your brain and you remember that. And so our goal is to reduce as much as possible the exposure. Doesn't mean that we are going to be able to, you know, get rid of all of it. Of course not. They could be on a bus ride somewhere and see something on somebody's phone. Of course they can. And we have conversations about that. But by not having their own device in their pocket, they're going to see a lot less. And so quantity really matters. That's a big myth that I feel like parents think, oh, well, once they see something, then that's it. They've already seen it. So we might as well show it to them every day. And 
I just want to make that point that from a medical standpoint in psychiatry, psychology, that the more you get desensitized to something, the more access you have, the the more you see, the worse it gets. So for sure, if they don't have a smartphone, absolutely, they're going to stumble into things on other people's phones, but it's not going to be anywhere near um, the problem that it would be. Plus, it'd be super hard, e- even though I know that kids, this is one way around just a minute ago, we're talking about how they work around everything. Your child can also at school borrow another kid's phone to talk to somebody so they can have this whole relationship, you know, with the predator on their girlfriend's phone. So you have to remember that too. That's just another, like, it's not on their phone, but it's on their girlfriends because they just switch phones during the day and then they switch them back. (laughs) We had that case last year with one of our families here and boy, was that shocking, you know, it's like, how do they think of that? And what are they going to think of next? Right. So I think the answer really is just to keep them busy doing really good stuff and um, let the phone not be the center of everything that you do. And if you're trying to monitor it, then it will be. I, I think it's, we, we have just reached such a great place in our house because we just don't have to spend so much time monitoring everything. We monitor what we need to with our laptops. And to your point, um, Officer Gomez, you know, they can get on all the social media on their laptops too, right? But when you get them outside playing baseball, they, they can't. They're, they're not able to bring their laptops outside <laughs> while they're playing baseball. So let's um, talk quickly about the, the CNN article that was out recently. I noticed that you had it in your group too, um, where it says, um, the Surgeon General says 13 is too early to join social media. Did, Talk, talk to us a minute about that, because there's so much conversation right now about the best age for social media. So the Surgeon General came out and said, hey, 13 is too young for social media, um, that he explained that the social media companies have some of the best software designers in the world working on the software to addict people to social media and screen time and phones. And so he says, basically, at 13, you're going to pit your 13-year-old against some of the best software designers in the world, and your kids are going to lose because these guys are very, very smart. Now, mm-hmm. from my view, it's it's hardly even a, a, a conversation because most parents aren't even waiting until 13. I would love if parents would wait till 13. Yeah. Most parents I know, even though they know that the age is 13, they're letting kids have it at 10, 11. I mean, I see five and six-year-olds with TikToks already which is a crazy thing. And the more parents that forego the age requirements, the more it becomes normalized and parents don't think it's a big deal. And the peer pressure they have to give phones and let kids have unrestricted access is incredible. So I would love if parents would wait till 13, yet I'm not seeing hardly anybody wait till 13. Mm -hmm. And every time I ask on my social media, hey, you shouldn't allow Snapchat till 18 because even though the requirement is 13, you shouldn't allow it till 18 because there's so much pornography on there that it, it'll, it'll, it's crazy. But I get all these parents, well, we don't allow Snapchat. We don't allow Snapchat. But I know from going into classrooms over and over and over again, almost every kid that has a phone has Snapchat. No matter what the parent thinks, most of them have Snapchat, no matter what. Yeah. There are a few parents that are very good at this, and, and it's a family value not to have Snapchat. But it's a, it's a tough sell. So the Surgeon General saying the 13 requirement is awesome. Um, and I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but the 13 age requirement is not because that's when your kid is mature enough. That's right. The 13 yeah. age requirement comes from the FCC because that is when they allow companies to sell your child's data. Basically, hey, we're yeah. at 13, we're okay with the companies selling the information they gleam off of your child's browsing history, off their everything, and they can sell it to other companies, which is how they make their money. It had nothing to do with the age of maturity. It, it was all about the COPA Act where it was the online security, like you're saying, selling data. And they just randomly picked 13. <laughs> I don't, nobody knows why, <laughs> because kids are certainly not uh, adults at the age of 13. But it, it was even that that law was formed even before um, you know Facebook and all this was even out there yet. So it was not. And so there is a big myth out there that we think that there's some you know, requirement because that's when they're mature and that's not true at all. Uh, you were just talking about Snapchat being on a, you know, on the phones when the parents don't think it is. One of the things that happens here in our community that I have seen with my own eyes is the child will delete the Snapchat app 
on their way home from school, right? So parents, you look at their phone and there's no Snapchat at, but then they just add it again in the morning when they go to school <laughs> and then they go about their day. So there's, that's a whole other thing too. I'm glad to hear that you don't think 13 year olds even should have Snapchat because I certainly don't. And I just believe in keeping kids kind of um, one step away from all of it. And again, this is based on the science and the research that says that the best way to build willpower and discipline is to stay far away from them to, from the temptation, not to stay right up against it. And we know this is true. If we bought a dozen donuts and in the afternoon, by the time my kids came home, they would just, it would be a like miracle and they would all be gone <laughs> in an hour and we can't not eat them. Right. So I just don't buy them at least not every day. So that's kind of the mentality you have to have with this stuff. We can, we've got to stop trying to make our kids older than they are. And even us as adults, I mean, you know, we have a hard time staying away from all this stuff too. So if you don't want your phone to distract you while you're at dinner, don't keep the phone in the room. Just go put it somewhere else and then you won't be distracted. I think it's really hard. I think it's kind of cruel actually to expect kids to do all these things, you know, when they have this powerful tool in their pocket. One of the quotes from that um, article that you're talking about um, says, if parents can band together and say, you know, as a group, we're not going to allow our kids to use social media until 16 or 18 or whatever age you choose, that's a much more effective strategy in making sure kids don't get exposed to harm early. I love that they quoted that in the CNN article. And then our physician partner, um, Dr. Adriana Stacy, was also quoted in that article. And she said, when we do things that are addictive, like use cocaine or use smartphones, our brains release a lot of dopamine at once. It tells our brains to keep using that. She said, for teenagers in particular, this is the part of the brain that's actually hyperactive compared to adults, and they can't get motivated to do anything else. And so as parents, you know, we got to remember that this is about a chemical right? It, that's what it boils down to. Um, Officer Gomez, it's like you can't pretend your kids don't have the the chemicals and the brain chemicals that are making them do all this stuff. Yes, this is an addiction, just like a drug addiction. I, it, and I see the exact same thing with kids that get hooked on marijuana in eighth or ninth or 10th grade. I see kids that sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they are guitar players, singers, you know, backpackers, whatever it is they're great at and they're, they're up and coming. And then as soon as they get a phone, they're done. Oh. No more guitar playing, no more horseback riding, no more painting. It becomes all about the phone. I see parents just ruin kids like that. That same thing with the drugs, right? You, you start smoking marijuana, you give up everything else, right? Addiction, my, my term, my definition of addiction for the kids here is addiction is giving up everything for one thing. And the, the most addicted is cell phones these days. And I talk to hundreds and maybe even thousands of parents. I have never had a parent say, hey, I wish my kid would have got more screen time during high school. Yeah. In actuality, they're saying, you know, my kid missed out on sports. My kid missed out on social interaction. My kid missed out on all these fun things that I did in high school because they had these screens. They don't even want to go out. They'll spend the whole day on Snapchat if you let them. They'll spend the whole day on Instagram if you let them. And yeah. if you take it away, now they hold parents accountable because they're bored. Right. Yeah. When a parent says you know, hey, Gomez, you know, we're, we're limiting screen time. And my kid now says they're bored. What should we tell them? Uh, so what? <laughs> right? That's boredom is, is meant for them to figure out something. Let them go use their imagination to figure out how to do things. Don't entertain them because they put that on you. Let them be bored. Yeah, I love that. You, you, you know, it's almost like they think it's like we should be punished. Okay, so now I'm bored. So now what are you going to do about it, mom? <laughs> well, you know, at our house, we just give them like the toilet brush and tell them to go clean the bathrooms. And so we we uh, we have very clean bathrooms for a while, but then now they're never bored. So that kind of worked. But I, I just want to reiterate what you said, giving up everything for one thing. That is so good. That is really good. That really nails it. What a wonderful way to help them understand what an addiction is, but I don't think that they can fully comprehend it. So that's why we have to be the parent and we have to be the coach and we have to get in there and um, set it straight. And we love your bold message. We just love, 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 love your bold message over here. <laughs> just have to tell you, thank you so much for 
everything you do. And you just talk to so many families all the time. And we're so honored and privileged to have you talk to us today. Um, again, what you just said about motivation, can you, as we start to just um, wrap up, let's give our parents some tips. All right. What can we do? We, we've got, um, we got a big problem with all this. So what are some positive things that we can do? You mentioned even things like you know, playing your guitar and riding your bike and all these things. What are some things that parents can do to encourage their kids to do the fun things and to, to work through that addiction or that dependency? You know, we have a detox in our group all the time. We're always doing detoxes over there. So we'll help you do a 30-day detox if we, you want to take your kid's phone away. But what would you say from your, from your view is the best way for parents to jump in and help their kids find those other things to do? The best way is to spend some family time. Sit down, figure out some family things. I know I, I learned recently of a great one is pick a sports team that you guys can cheer for as a family. Get some sports you know, stuff to wear. Maybe go to you know, a farm town hockey team and support them. Or even pick a professional team. Root for them as a team and you can make an event out of their games and root for them. And that brings an entire family together and you can invite other families into that. You start a little culture there. You can start, it, you know, playing music is one of the most awesome things anybody can do. And when people sing and play instruments, it is one of the most relaxing, healthy, take care of yourself things you can do, period. Drama clubs, plays. I see kids that come from really rough things. And when they join the drama club and do plays, that saves some kids' lives sometimes, right? Sports photography, art, those things are all great things. But if you do them as a family, it's even better. I was on boat patrol this summer. I know it sounds like a rough gig. <laughs> I was on boat patrol. But what I noticed is the families that came there, they had the best time getting together with each other because there's no cell service on the lake. Yet oh. you have these families spending quality time with no cell phones. They can invite their friends. And that's a chance for the adults in the family to demonstrate their values, demonstrate what's important to them, to their kids in real life. Plus yeah. the kids have a blast. We operate as a family unit and, and some parents have a hard time with that. And for that, sometimes I, I recommend this often, go get either a family counselor or a parent coach. In fact, I like parent coaches better than family counselors, but mm -hmm. get a parent coach to teach you how to be a family, to teach you how to get past some of the struggles and start being a family again. If you can be a family and find something that you're all part of and can root for each other in, I promise you that is one of the best feelings in the world to have. You go camping, singing, caroling, cooking, all these things have opportunities for people to act as a family, to grow as a family unit. And then once you have that going, you can demonstrate to other people how this works and how awesome it is. And I have some families here. I'm jealous of it. It's like, man, I want to get invited to their house for Christmas. <laughs> you want to be a part of their family. <laughs> yeah, versus all the domestic fights I go to because people get oh, together God. at Christmas and they can't stand each other. Right? And then that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's but, a whole but, other podcast. Yeah, what you're talking about is this incredibly strong need that everybody has this deep, deep need to belong. And what the screen platforms are doing, they're not all bad, but they're, they're pulling our kids away saying, Hey, you can belong to me over here. And it pulls them away from their family unit and everybody, all the connections get weaker and weaker and kids get sicker and sicker because they're not connected and attached to their family anymore. Um, but they do have this very, very, deep need to belong. And this is why back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, this is why the predators are so successful because they can just say the few little things that every kid wants to hear that they're getting picked, right? And they feel like they belong. So that sense of belonging is so powerful. And we just have to be sure that we continue to keep our kids close and keep them um, belonging to us and not to their devices. And uh, just for people like Officer Gomez that are out there on the front lines every day. We are so grateful for you. I tell you what, um, just knowing that you're out there, it just does my heart so good. I appreciate it so much for all the people that you touch and on your Facebook group. And we'll put that link 
in here is in well as well. Is there anything else that you want to share here as we wrap up as far as um, tips or encouragement? You've done such a great job today. Thanks so much for all your help. Don't give up. If you if you do something and it's kind of tough, don't give up. Just keep trying. And if something you know if, if it feels like they're going, go somewhere else. Go to a different church. Go to a different place. Find people that you want to be like. Find families that you like and you want to be like. Go hang out with them. Learn how they do it. Learn what's important. And there are still plenty of family units that operate awesomely. There's plenty of awesome kids who are going to be successful. Let's try and make them as best as we can. Nobody's going to be perfect. And nobody's going to, you know, poo-poo you if you have to try multiple times. But it is worth doing. And it's worth trying as many times as you need. Thank you so much. I love that. Don't give up. Don't give up and go find your community. And if you can't find one, then you're going to build one and you're going to make one and you're going to use like our course or something or to have like your book club and get your five friends together so your kids can all play in the backyard while y'all learn, study a little bit more about the screen stuff and get on the same page. Thank you so much, Officer Gomez, for coming. We are going to have you back really soon because we love, love, love having you on. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me and I'd love to come on here anytime. Thank you so much for coming. And I'm so excited that we all got to hear from Officer Gomez today. And thanks everyone for listening. So what's your homework? If you still have kids playing video games and all after listening today, (laughs) then I would suggest that you sit with them um, and actually play their games with them and see what's happening in that game. Ask them, where are the forums? Where are the message boards? I just want to go see and just see kind of what's happening. I think just knowledge is super important. We're trying to to win this battle. And I mentioned the Screen Strong Lifestyle course. This is a wonderful parent course where you can do this uh, in a small group with your own friends and your neighbors or your school. And we have bulk rates available for schools. And we're getting very excited about the number of schools that are getting this for schools. And we're working right now, Dr. Stacy and I are working very hard on the middle school version of the Screen Strong course. And this will be everything you wanted your middle schooler to know about their brains and screen time and all the things that uh, we talk about on the podcast. So, and sign up for that 30-day screen detox on our website that I just talked about. And finally, don't forget to share this podcast. It's growing because you're sharing it. Thank you so much for doing that. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you remove all those screen conflicts from your home. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong.